explicit podcast for adults. This is our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships. Don't forget to stop by our webpage for information about this show and others. KinkyCast.com. Cassie will introduce today's guest. This week on KinkyCast, episode 515, we have a vivid conversation titled Needles. We dive deep into the world of needle play in a fetish context. The host, Woody, engages with different guests, each offering unique perspectives and experiences on the subject. Firstly, there's a discussion with Ginger Fox about needle experiments, specifically in relation to her experiences with blow darts and their impact on her body. Then, Woody converses with Miss Pierce, a well-known needle top, who describes her techniques, including her work in cock and ball torture CBT. Following that, Woody interacts with Miss Kitten, who provides captivating insights into her intricate, artistic approach to needle plays, the thrill of communicating via pain, and the importance of cultivating trust and nurturing relationships in these settings. This show unpacks the sensual, painful, and sometimes shocking side of this fetish, encapsulating the drama, thrill, and detailed preparation involved in needle play. Here's your host, Woody. Thanks, Max and Cassie, for the introduction. Online with me from the great north of the United States is the Ginger Fox. How are you this evening? I'm good. How about you? Fantastic. We have launched an interesting inquiry. So I sent a note on the Needles group looking for people that had experience in being stuck. And you answered me, which is a a great thing. And you gave some examples. And we want to talk about that a little bit tonight. The reason we're doing this show is we've had a a lot of write-ins from listeners asking for certain subjects, and this subject comes up over and over again, and we have not covered needles very well, and so uh, we want to bring several people on to talk about it, and you're number one in this case. Lucky you. Lucky number one. (laughs) That's right. What we want to do is talk about the sticking of needles and other devices of sharpness, in different parts of the body and how the reaction is. Now, we're talking to you as a bottom, so you are the recipient of the wonderful metal pieces that are flying through air. And so we want to talk about the sensation when it enters and pierces the skin, and then later on when it's removed. So give me an example of uh, something where you've had a number of needles put in and then removed. I guess the best one is I've done blow darts. So a hundred blow darts going in and coming out. Blow darts. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So these are like, and the tip is like an inch and a half long. So I think the total blow dart is about three inches long, but yeah, they sink in anywhere from a quarter inch to an inch. Okay. And these are not like hypodermic needles. These are bigger and meatier. They're probably comparable to a 20-gauge needle, I would say, somewhere in that ballpark. Okay. Um, I know they come in different gauges, but yeah, that's about the size that I've used. And you use the word blow darts, so they're administered from a distance. They are, yep. Totally shot out of a dark gun. Well, 15 feet away, I think, is what we've done in the past. Okay, and so you put up a nice target for them. Uh, yeah, that target being my ass, that, that would be right. Okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to visualize this. Okay. And so you got a number of darts placed in your butt 
And you said anywhere from a quarter inch to an inch. Yep. Yeah. Some of them sink pretty deep, depending on how hard he chooses to blow them in. <laughs> okay. And, and a, as you got through the hundred darts, uh, there was a change in the strength of them coming at you? There were a few times where my sass probably is what caused it, but he decided to blow a little harder or change to get a little closer, so sunk them quite a bit deeper. But yeah, most of them were probably in, in between that quarter to one inch. Your sass. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, okay, so yeah. You, you rile up the top and away they go. <laughs> I have been known to do such a thing in time or two, yes. Okay, so now let's say you're standing there with maybe a uh, hundred uh, blow darts in your ass. Then what happens? For that scene, I was chained standing up. So he was behind me and started pulling. And once again, because they've sat in there for some of the probably half an hour, there's a little bit of stick as they come out. It's not just a smooth pull. So yeah, probably a couple in when it's like that endorphin rush starts and can feel like the trickle of blood running down your legs. A little bit of panic set in. It was not as smooth as I'd expected. It was my first ever sharps. Um, so didn't really know what I was getting into. Wow, you started um, at the varsity level. That's uh, Yeah, I, I'm a little over-ambitious sometimes. But no, it. I had some good friends, thankfully, who'd done sharps before, so who talked me through it and calmed my breathing a bit. But yeah, once we got them all out and cleaned up, there was definitely some downtime that I needed to settle back into things. But yeah, it, overall, we did, we've did we done it again, so didn't scare me off from sharps, that's for sure. Let's see, some drywall patch to uh, patch up the holes and things like that. <laughs> yeah, just a little putty, yeah, fill yeah. in the holes. All good to go, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about sanitation. So how do you uh, prepare for this? Is there like an alcohol wipe down or what? So we have a chlorhexidine soap that I wash with before we do sharps. Okay. Some people do, you can get chlorhexidine wipe and just do it that way. But just because it tends to be such a big area, soap's easier. The darts are all clean. They We don't have an autoclave, so they're not sterile. And then afterwards, just clean up with alcohol, soap, wash down, and then ointment on it if it's needed or band-aids. But I tend to heal up pretty quick, so those don't tend to last very long. But You use the term blood running down your leg. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's a fair amount of blood. So I work in a medical field. I feel like it always looks like more than it is. But there was a decent puddle under my feet. I'd say probably in the ballpark of a third of a cup. Maybe a little bit more than that. Uh, that's I was a fair amount of blood. Yeah, like it's, it's decent. Uh, so uh, then that was your first experience, then graduating on to bigger and better things. I don't know how you get bigger and better than that. but So you've done some other things. Tell me about those. So you've done some other things. We've done a number of corsets with needles, hypodermic needles, uh, and then corsets with medical staples as well. We've also... I've been turned into a Christmas tree more than once with medical staples, ornaments, lights, the whole bit. I've had my cunt stapled shut. We did that once. <laughs> but yeah, we've been all over the place when it comes to sharps. Uh, the medical staples are uh, a lot bigger gauge than a little hypodermic needle. So the medical staples are actually a lot smaller. Really? Yeah, they're really tiny. They're probably... If they're a 27 or a 29 gauge, oh, okay. somewhere in there. 
a very different feeling. So it's, I often feel like it's more the sound that comes out of the stapler itself because there's like a sharp snap that you hear uh, versus the staple itself going in. I know my partner, Angry Ginger, was very upset when he stapled the backs of my calves and he's, you could be having a spa day right now. Like there is no reaction coming out of you whatsoever. And he thought for sure that would be a painful spot. And then we've done others like in my lower back and thighs and stuff that seem like they shouldn't be as painful because there's a lot more there. And those ones bothered me a little bit more going in. Yeah. You've certainly done a lot of things. And so when you say corsets, that's when you run a string or thread back and forth through them. Yeah. Running ribbon or we've always done mostly ribbon, I think. Ribbon and string through, yeah, to create crisscrosses through the needles or the staples. And then a little bit of tension on them to make it pull. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, being with a sadist, a little bit of tension or a lot of tension to make it pulse. Now, these staples, when they go in, are, are they just going straight or do they actually curve so that they get a little bit of a grab? So they curve. So it almost forms a C when it goes in. Uh, so you need the special remover because it bends them back out so you can take them out. Yeah. So it's not just a regular staple. Those would go in straight so you can actually lift those out. I know people who've done them as a zipper. But these you can't really do as a zipper just because of the way they hook in. Okay, so they're, they're in to stay. They are, yeah. We've done them before where I've gotten up and walked around and worn them out. Because, yeah, once they're in, unless you have the remover, they're not coming out. Okay. And then you've also done regular needles. Yep, done regular needles, mostly in those corsets and a few in the Christmas tree to put on ornaments and stuff which is also a very different sensation just because it's slower going in. The darts and the staples are really fast. You definitely feel it when a hypodermic needle goes in because you can feel the slide. A person obviously isn't as fast as a machine is. So there's a bit more focus when those are happening. Mm -hmm. And it's, as you say, it's different going in and coming out, especially if they're left in. Yeah, because once they're in, unless you're near a nerve or something and getting a bit of irritation, they really don't feel like much unless someone's pushing or pulling on them in some form. So yeah, it's, you almost relax a bit and then the nerves get excited again when you pull them back out. So yeah, it's it's a double-edged sword. <laughs> and the way th these are put in is just right at the skin, just so just in and out. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just subdermal would be the word. Yeah, subcutaneous, wow. yeah. Oh, okay. So you got better words than I do. Okay. This has uh, been very enlightening. Do you have anything else that you want to share? I don't off the top of my head. Once again, the bloodbeds probably the, the one that always shocked people when we talk about sharps and the fact that that's where I started. So no, I can't think of any others. Do you have something planned for the future that you want to do? It was funny. We were actually talking today about doing blow darts again, possibly with water balloons. Got to see if we can make that happen. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, Explain that, please. So stapling them to me first, and then he gets to pop them with the dark gun. If we can get that to work without them just popping on their own, just from hanging. Staple them to you and turning you into a carnival game. Interesting. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so that's okay. in the works. And then... Honestly, he's always got some sort of artistic thing that he wants to try. So I'm sure I will be stapled or stuck with needles at some point so that he can do more, more ribbon work. 
Very interesting stuff. You've certainly piqued my interest, and I need to go stab somebody with a needle now. So <laughs> we'll see how that works. But thank you for your time on the cast tonight, and we hope to hear from you soon and more adventures. Oh, thank you for having me. For our second course in this lovely meal of needles, we bring to you from Southern Florida, Ms. Pierce. How are you tonight? I am peachy keen, Jelly Bean. And since you mentioned second course, life is a banquet, and most poor suckers are starving to death. Boy, you got that. I can uh, certainly uh, understand that. And I, I think here in the, in the kinky world, we have a little bit broader menu than a lot of people out there in the vanilla world. Absolutely. You get tired of eating at Waffle House. Sometimes you want to go to Denny's. And if you're like me, you really like Ruth Chris's. <laughs> exactly. You just want the whole spectrum there. That's the point. You yeah. can in our lifestyle. Exactly. The reason I've uh, asked you to come on the show tonight is because you are a well-known needle top, but you also like to, to play in the, in the endorphin rush. And so we're going to call you a needle switch just for tonight. That will be perfectly acceptable. And the thing is, just like anything, I do switch, not with just anyone. Absolutely. I get that. And this is the thing. Any submissive or bottom that sets up a play date, you better know who is on the top and who they are and how they work and what their safety is, what their training is. You're putting your life in somebody else's hand. Exactly. And for me, it's not really, if I'm going to be playing with somebody, I know they at least have the skills to keep them and myself as safe as we can be. However, the reason I'm playing with them is that I'm trusting them. Because when I bottom to needles, I am not one of these, oh, melts into it. And, uh, I am one of these hurt the crap out of me with them and make me curse your name and call you the spawn of Satan. That's what I like to do. I like to bottom that way. As a top, if you can't take that kind of shit, don't play with me. But if you can and can hurt me, and also somebody that I know and trust will be safe about it, absolutely. But I'm not going to submit, but I'm going to bottom like there was no tomorrow. Okay, there's a couple key uh, things in your statement there. And one of them is if you really know the top and you really trust the top, they can push your limits. Yes, absolutely. And to the point where you do cuss them out and call them every name in the book. Yes and no. That is part of my standard operating procedure. It's in the handbook under Karen Mam 101. However, with um, pushing my limits, it's a little bit more than that. I consent to having more done because honestly, as long as I trust you, when I first came in, we negotiated broad limits. I don't want this. Don't want this. Don't want this. Don't want this. We negotiated limits and let the top make up the scene. Now, a lot of times the bottom is saying this is exactly A, B, C, D, D. You have to do to me in this order for this amount of time. And I didn't negotiate like that. 
And I think consent, of course, is extraordinarily important, but I would rather give the top my boundaries and let them be creative than give them my playlist to make me have a good time. Well, that sounds like a, a very valid thing there. Creativity is what we're all about. And a, a playlist has a lot of limits to it. Absolutely. There's only so many times I can put peg A into slot B and then I'm just putting together Ikea furniture. I want to do something more than that. I want, when I'm finished with the needle scene, especially as a top, I want to see it look horrendously bloody and not very pretty at all. Because after I get finished playing, I want to take everything out, make it hurt just as bad as when they were under the skin, and then play in the blood. And the thing is, those are the things I like to do. And I have people write me all the time saying, I'd love to play with you. I'm like, you're number one thing. No needles, no blood. My name is Miss Pierce. Come on. And the thing is, if I negotiate with you, those are the basic things I like to do. I can make everything pretty and, and look gorgeous and take a nice picture for Fet Life. That is not about what I'm about. It's always nice to have those pretty pictures, but for me, it's the connection, not the perfection of doing a beautiful needle scene for a picture. If you do not connect with your bottom while doing it, why the hell are you doing it? If you don't enjoy it, why? Why are you doing it? And I think we lose tra track of that sometimes. We just want to cross A, B, C, D, and E off our kink list and then go on to the next thing. Find the stuff that speaks to your soul. It's okay that everything does, but don't treat it like a, a to-do list of kink. You're not only looking at where you're putting the needle into this person, you're looking at the grimace on their face at the same time. It's not even just the grimace on their face. I feel their body. When I pierce, I feel that body tense. And then I feel it relax when the endorphins start to hit. And that's when I start getting sadistic again. Then relax. It's a beautiful wave. It goes ebbs and flows. When I have to give them time to recover or recenter and then go for the next thing, it's not. And then other people, I go 24-7, bam, bam, and they love it that way. It just depends on the person, the connection, and what we both want to get out of the scene. I like to think of the scene as dancing the tango, especially when you have the thorn and the rose in your lip. That is exactly correct. And the tango... Takes It takes two to tango. Oh, my God. Dad jokes 101 right here. And it takes two to tango. That's very true. If all you want is somebody to make a pretty picture on you, that's fine. Go for it. But don't expect me to do that because, honestly, I bought one of those patterns that are very popular now. I love the beautiful pictures. I love the symmetry. My little OCD heart cries out when I see it. I love everything looking perfect. And it's gorgeous. I don't want to do that. Just getting one of those patterns and poking it out and getting it prepared, not even doing it. I knew immediately 
that what would happen is once I started trying to do this and go in one blue dot and out the other to make this pattern, I was going to kill somebody and not in a fun way. So I had to tell my, I just can't, I don't want to do it because it's not how I do it and not what makes me happy. There's other people that will do stuff like that. It's just not your thing. Exactly. And I'm not saying, and I'm not kink shaming. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying, if you're going to do it, do it either because you want to create a beautiful piece of art, very valid reason. Or maybe one person really does enjoy the focus and the detail of the piercing to a pattern. When I was younger, I was very um, into medical fetish. I loved trying to keep a sterile field as much as I could. Now, did anybody ask this of me? No, this was the thing I liked. I really enjoyed that detail. It brought me into my top head space. And so some people may enjoy piercing to a pattern for that very reason. For me, though, I don't get the connection. Same thing with floggers. I don't like to flog people. I don't feel a sense of connection over it. So it's one of the things I don't do because I don't like it. And that's your reasons. Exactly. Because I know what works for me and I know what does it. And I spent a lot of years figuring it out. I know what I like for a needle bottom. I know what I like for a needle scene. And it's not the same thing every time. It is a range of things as long as it ends with me, hopefully some playing in your blood with my glove fingers. And that for me, is a good needle scene. Let me ask you this. Let's say you had a lovely pair of balls in your hand and some needles and you wanted to um, pin cushion. Now, what, what kind of a rush is the recipient going to get from this? Whatever you're doing, okay, first of all, this is not rack prick or any of the other things. This is you have got to be fucking aware of everything before you do this kind of play, especially if the person may still want to father children. I do not know what kind of effects this would have on sperm and be able to father children. However, I have done some pretty intense piercing of the cock and the balls. I have put needles into the balls. I even have a great picture one with testicular fluid coming out. And there's a drop of it on the hub of the needle and you can see it clear as day in the picture. So, I am fine with other people do this kind of stuff because it's what I love to do. As long as both people are aware of the risk and with certain kind of heavier edge play, as long as you have a hospital safety plan in place, God forbid things go horribly wrong. And as long as you have an understanding about who's going to pay the bill if something goes really wrong, these things need to be talked about because you never know. Are the chance you're going to use it? 99.9% you're not, but that 0.01%, that right there is where educated, responsible adult participants need to talk and understand and know what the risks are and who's going to do what if something goes south. For instance, let's say you have a nice long needle down by the balls and all of a sudden he clamps his legs closed 
there is going to be uh, a lot of puncturing and potentially a broken needle there and maybe a trip to the emergency room to retrieve it. Actually, just want to make sure everybody understand that in that kind of incidence and most instances, needles will not break. Needles are quality control tested. And unless you get an even, I have taken the needle and bent it almost basically in half while it was in somebody's skin, using the cap of the needle to hold the point part. And they can't break. But if somebody does, yes, you might actually have a puncture of a testicle or the penis because if you go straight through, you have a possibility of hitting the urethra. And there are certain other little things you've got to be aware of. So it is not the play for the beginners, but it is the kind of play that can be explored. You just got to educate yourself and the bottom needs to educate themselves and vice versa. And so if you were to do a scene tomorrow as a bottom, what would your choice be? As a scene, if I got it called the scene. What would you like? Oh. I like sitting up. I love it in my chest. I don't like it on the top part of my, above my sternum, really, where my boobs beat. I love needles turned and twisted and poked back in and bent to and pulled out, pushed back in. And the person laughing and enjoying it just as much as I am when I curse her, and it's usually women's, women I play with, but I have played with a lot of gay men, so I can't say that. But anyway, and just cursing at them and making them know how much I hate this and how much I'm going to get you back because they know they're a dominant friend of mine, most likely, and they absolutely know that when I come out of being under their control, I'm going to fucking let you have it as well. But it's all going to be because I trusted you with this and I love what you did to me. And every time I say you fucking suck after that scene, it's a reminder to both of us, the connection, the energy we shared and the fact that person gave me an experience and I in turn gave them an experience that it will only ever happen between the two of us. That sounds like a tremendous amount of fun for both parties. And do you have any closing words for us? I'm going to take this time and say, get involved politically in your state, your county, your city, and watch what's going on in federal policy. You need to be aware, especially if you live in states like mine, like Florida, you need to be aware of what's going on. It is truly frightening. And the only way we can ever hope to turn this around is by voting conscientiously in all elections. What we do in the kink lifestyle could be curtailed by a, a new set of laws that are coming from the uh, odd direction. And so we have to be aware of what can happen to our lifestyle. You are 100% correct. And the thing is, kink is and has always been political. And I aim to keep it that way because 
I am not going back in the closet and going back to a time where meeting somebody offline didn't know if you were going to be living or dead afterward. Very well said. Oh, thank you so much, Ms. Pierce, for bringing us some gems tonight. And we look forward to getting back with you because we are going to talk about your advocacy work that you are doing for the kinky people and the gay people in the, the lifestyle. And we will talk to you soon about that. Thank you so much for having me, Woody. I really enjoyed talking to you. And I'm definitely looking forward to our next conversation. You have a wonderful rest of the life. Our third guest on today's show is Miss Kitten in Cape Town, South Africa. How are you? Let's see, it'll be tomorrow there. Hi, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Thank you so much. We contacted you because you are very much into needles and various things, and we wanted to talk about some of your styles. You personally identify as a switch when it comes to needles, right? Yes, 100%. I sadomasochist, love pain, a whole idea of pain, giving pain, receiving pain, anything to do with pain, I'm in. And so you don't mind giving it too, I see. I quite giving it. I quite like receiving it. I love to see people's responses. And I think some people really benefit from receiving pain. So giving pain to the right person is incredibly rewarding. All right. So when you're topping, what are your favorite subjects? I would probably say CBT needles is my the love of my life. I'm just absolutely passionate about the art that you can make out of a couple of needles and a penis. And then... Yeah, and then a very close second, anything else that I can stick needles in. Yeah, I'm not terribly fussy, but if I had to have an absolute choice and an absolute favorite, I'd have to say CBT shops. Okay. And when it comes to uh, CBT needles, gauge and length are not limiters for you, I see. I don't think you should be limited by anything. I think everything is possible. Real estate sometimes gets a little bit short, but (laughs) we try and do the best plan possible. So d- describe one of your big jobs. We did a low bass gold, which was 27 eight-gauge needles all the way down the shaft and down the ball sack. And then we threaded it with red ribbon and we hung it up and it looked really cool. We made a really fancy CBT board for it, which had a big open mouth, like pop-out style. So it looked fabulous. It had this penis coming out with all these needles and these, this red ribbon on this pop-out background. I think it looked fantastic. That's probably my, probably one of my favorites. I've done 300 staples on a penis and used a motherboard from a computer as a CBT board and had just, I didn't love that as much as the needles, but the pictures were fantastic. I think I found a hard limit because taking 300 staples out of a penis is about an hour and a half's work. So I think I ticked that off as a hard limit not to be done again. Okay. And for our listeners that don't know how big an eight gauge needle is, I will tell you, I know how big it is. It's big. Can you describe the size in millimeters? 3.2 millimeters. Okay. 3.2 millimeter needle. Think about that for size, people. That is sizable. And when you put a bunch of them, where are you putting them in the penis? I think we started at the bottom of the ball sack. 
And then we put them in a row all the way up the bottom of the bull sack and then all the way up the shaft towards the head. I think we put one through the head of the cock and we removed that needle and used a safety pin in its place at the end to keep the cock suspended. Okay. (laughs) I think you were talking about there's a real estate problem sometimes on having enough cock to get all these needles. So we didn't, we squeezed them in, we got better up, I think by needle number six or seven, we were getting, we got into a bit of a groove and we were able, I was able to fit them in really nice and closely. At my record for that penis in particular, I think is 101 18 gauge needles. So you're going in one side and out the other? So yeah, but I'm, these are just going through the skin. We're not actually going through the shaft. We're just going through the skin on the top of the shaft and the 101 wow. just went through the skin all the way around on the penis. But you also have been known to go directly through. Yeah. So uh, loves, I have really probably my best CBT experience is if you take some spinal needles and you use a nurse gun. So you take the tip of the nerve gun bullet off. You put the hub of the needle into the nerve gun bullet and you put that into the nerve gun and you can shoot the needle through the shaft of the penis. Interesting concept. Yeah. And it, it goes in quick and doesn't. Well, I'd say it doesn't hurt as much, but sure. I think it's a totally different pain. Is this a bit of adrenaline because the noise that the gun makes, the gun probably makes more ma- more noise than there is pain. Needle doesn't go all the way through. You then get to push it. It goes about halfway and you get to push it the rest of the way, which is an amazing feeling. You can, yeah. And my needle, my CPG bottom loves pain. So he just gets really happy, really hard, (laughs) really excited about it. And that makes me really happy and really excited about it. So it's a really good experience for both of us. I'm certainly sitting here uh, with a certain amount of wonder. There is another uh, area of needle play, which is called skewering. And you have played with that also, I understand. A little bit. It's not my absolute favorite, but I have done a little bit. I've done some breasts. Yeah. And I find it work to be really neat and tidy. I really get off on having an artistic finish. The project's quite planned. It's like a three-week thing for me. Lots of discussion, lots of drawings. I really like what goes into the needle play. I think that's what attracts me to the kink so much is that it's so carefully planned. It's so carefully mitigated. And there's so much interaction and collaboration. It's not just my bottom and myself. There's the second in the room and then I have an accountability human and we all collab on the project together. So it becomes like a really big art project and then we get to have this plan and then use pain to execute it. Yeah, it's just, it's phenomenal. So the skewering I found, I think it it was out of my comfort zone a little bit and I could do it again, but it's not something I do every day. And the skewer is a fairly large diameter. I understand. Yeah. And the skewer, you have two options. So you can just push it straight through. It'll be really, the pain will be felt in the entry and in the exit more than the through, say, of the skewer. But it's obviously not as sharp as the needles. So if you're pushing it out, there's a fair bit of pain on entry and exit. Yeah, because you're really opening the skin. You had just mentioned a cast of characters uh, in your group. How many people are uh, gathered around when you're doing this? At the moment, we run needle tasks once a month, and it's turned out to be like a really bizarre sewing circle. I think in some cultures, people sit down with a needle and thread and a piece of material. We sit down with some needles and use skin as canvas. So the main group consists of about 18 players, 
and we do have full negotiation in the group because everybody in the room needs to consent to what they're going to see. So everybody coming to the players will have access to the negotiation. And then I will do a more in-depth negotiation with the players personally um, for the technical facts and things that I'm concerned about. But the main negotiation stays in a big group. There's an, there's somebody normally who's not going to play on the day that oversees those those um, negotiations, and we use them as an accountability human, which we have for all of our events as well, um, and just somebody who um, is not caught up in the excitement of any of the plays and is just being like Mother Russia, really in control of the situation, um, and allows us to be super creative, but pulls us back when we are getting too much. An objective third party sort of thing. Yeah. Great way to say it. I use all those words and you put it into the three. One of the things you're known for is your risk administration. And you just laid out part of that in what the jobs of these different people are. And you do a lot more planning than that, though. Yeah, I think planning's become one of my kinks, actually. I think the more the clearer is kind in, in anything. So the clearer you are, the kinder the situation is. And the more time you then have to make to turn it into a bit of a play. I like to be prepared. I it's part of my nature to want to be prepared. And for me, it ticks my boxes of a successful play when I've managed to mitigate the risk going into it. Obviously it Things go wrong, they do, but I like to know that I've ticked the right boxes beforehand and that I've been present in the play to make sure that the, the results are successful. One of the questions I like to ask on this is, what is your sanitary field around where you're working and, and how do you manage that? It's not sterile. Nothing will be sterile. We're not in an operating theater, but we all have done the right courses. We all understand blood pathogen management. We All my players are tested. So I think that lowers risk as well. Not that it eliminates that risk, but it does lower it. And then we work on a very simple system of three trays. We have a red, a red tray, which is the total end result tray for all the trash that you, that if you touch, you change everything. Everybody in the room understands that. We have a yellow tray in the middle for workable materials that we're busy using. And we have a green tray for completely clean that, again, you only ch touch with clean gloves on. We use a sterilizer, the room sprayed down, the trays are sprayed down, the body sprayed down. I like to spray the body down again with surgical spirits because it just adds a nice kick and burn, especially if the guy is shaved. For CBT, it's just a nice effect. <laughs> I like to start with a grimace, which brings me quite a bit of pleasure. Yeah, and then just keeping an eye on the fact that everybody in the room is still present during the play and not getting careless and that we're sticking to the rule of which items are going in which tray, I think is part of my process. Yeah, I suppose I haven't really thought about breaking it down more than that. That's a lot right there. Just so that people know that what goes into this just isn't grabbing a needle and sticking it in somebody. There's a lot of background to this. Yes, the setup normally takes us about 45 minutes beforehand. I like the setup. The setup starts to set the mood for the play for me. So I like to take my time with the setup. It's part of the kink for me. I start to focus myself. I like to have everything laid out in my green tray. It's all unopened. It's all clean. I like to know everything is there and accessible. I've gone through my list and ticked everything off so I know that I'm not missing anything. I work with a great second. I call her Mother Russia in the dungeon. She's absolutely phenomenal. I saw I'll brief her on each product as I go through it, as I'm playing it out. Yeah. And then my bottom is obviously the table sterilized. We sterilize him and then we get going. 
So there's, we've worked, sorry, we've worked together quite, quite a long time now. So there's quite a sort of, it's almost like a little dance in the dungeon. She's able to make sure that I'm not getting tired. I'm making sure that she's still with me and awake. Um, some of these plays that we do require a lot of needles. So it's a lot of concentration. And I love the partnership that we have. And she's able to then check in on the on the patient as well sometimes. And the bigger plays, especially if we're doing, we're doing something, it's just important to make sure that the player is with us and concentrating. And sometimes it's not so easy for me to be in two places at the same time. Yeah, we have a good team. It's great. I really enjoy the teamwork. It's lovely. If we take a look from a bottom point of view, what does the bottom get out of it? What is this pain account and those sorts of things? I think pain is absolutely incredible. And I think you can tailor pain. I think you can make it sharp and, and intrusive. You can make it gentle and soothing. You can absolutely tailor it with very with all the different biochemistry in the body if you have played with it for a while. And every bottom's different. So it took me a little while to be brave enough to play with the pain with this bottom, but now I know that he loves it and that's why he's there, why he's doing it. I'm able to increase the pain, but not make it a scary situation. He's not great if it's, he doesn't like the fear play of the whole thing. He really just likes the pure pain. And that releases endorphins in his body and he gets ridiculously giggly, which is really strange to see when you have somebody's penis in your hand and 25 eight gauge needles sticking out of it. Yeah, so he just really gets off it. And I think the cubic depth of the relationship takes a while to develop. So we've been playing solidly with some really big players for a year. And we're starting to really understand each other. And I'm starting to understand that that his need for the pain is there. Um, and I'm able to provide that for him because his response is good. My bottom is a gay guy. And it took me about three months to be able to give him a proper hard-on. And it took me a full year to nearly get him to come. And that sounds a bit silly, but I'm a woman with big breasts, which means absolutely nothing in his life other than he probably had never seen boobs before he'd seen mine. So this is not something that would normally turn him on. And I'm able to use this pain to turn him on I, and connect with him like that. I find that incredibly special. That's amazing that you are uh, bridging gaps and things that uh, people don't even think about sometimes. Yeah. So it, it's just, it's been a privilege with him because it's not a given. And I've had to find different ways to communicate and to understand his needs. I think what really helped me was, first of all, the time together. No relationship is built overnight. We certainly didn't start with the eight gauge needles on the first play. We have a once a month plan for a play. We've built it up slowly over time. And that trust, as soon as that trust started to develop and we really started to have intimacy and the cubic depth of relationship increased, we, he was able to really share his deep, dark puddings with me. And that's a frigging privilege to be able to take somebody's vulnerable thoughts and to be able to use them to create a play. And that only happens, yeah, I think everybody rushes into this in kink and doesn't give the relationship enough time to grow. So I think the relationship that we have as a team in the dungeon, it's just a beautiful thing. Like it's really special to me and I feel really privileged every time I get to play with my team. I am very impressed with the way you go about this. You've got some great processes and people can learn a lot from this. And if they want to get some more information, they can send you a note on FetLife. 100%. Send me a note on FedLife. I have a really cool little Discord needle group that you're welcome to join. There's a link on my page. 
we chat about sharp things and we'd love to connect you. We'd love to share your ups and downs and help you collab and share resources. Sharpsnet is also a fabulous resource on FedLife's amazing human running Sharpsnet and also trying to connect community. And then we have some great educators who are also linked on my page. Solaris is incredible with her blood pathogens and blood play basics. Like highly recommend that course. Yeah. And just learn as much as you can. But yeah, having having trust and, and taking the relationship slowly really builds you up to something special at the end of the day. So you don't need to rush this stuff. So it's I think really anything in the space tonight, it's that it's not the Olympics and that if friendship matters most in all of this. And what I've found through Needles is the most incredible community and the most incredible friendships with my team and with my bottoms. Well, that is a wonderful thing. I want to thank you for being on the show tonight. Miss Kitten from Cape Town, South Africa, you've brought a, a lot of richness to this subject and I thank you. Thanks, Dan. Have a great evening. It's still sunny outside and I can see the mountain. I'm going to go and have some dinner and sit outside and think about the lovely chat we've had. Thanks, sir. You have been listening to The Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. Views expressed are not representative of the management of The Kinky Cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our kinky crew, I'm Max.